Last week we spoke about the different categories of fruit and vegetables that you're going to find in stores. We spoke about those categories which are not shvies. In other words, things which you'll find for sale in every store and you're allowed to buy and use as normal because the mitzvah of shvies doesn't apply to them. Just to recap for a moment, we said last time, the first category like that is things which grew this year, things which grew in the sixth year. So no mitzvah, no dinim of shemitah apply to that. The second category is things which are imported from chutzlaretz. Once again, there's no mitzvahs of shemitah which apply to that. And therefore one can use them and discard of them like normal. And the third category we spoke about was fruit or vegetables which are cultivated by goyim. And as we finished last time, this is an argument between Really, going back 400 years, this was an argument between Shulchan Aruch and the other Abolim at the time, whether one has to treat fruit, which is cultivated by Goyim, as having Kedush Shviz, and then all the mitzvahs we're going to learn tonight apply to it or not. The Beis Yosef held that one does not need to consider it Kedush Shviz, and therefore one can buy it and use it like normal. That was always the Minag in Yerushalayim. And that, until today, is the Minag of the Badats and other basins which are in Yerushalayim. The Chazanish was machmir, like the opinion that fruit which is cultivated or grown by Goyim does have Kedusha Shviz. And therefore, in Bnei Brak or other places or basins which follow the rulings of the Chazanish, they won't allow them to sell in the regular stores fruit which is cultivated by Goyim because, as you're going to see, one of the mitzvahs which apply to fruit which has Kedushashvis is that one's not allowed to sell it like normal. Okay, for people who are in Yerushalayim, one can rely on the Minog of Yerushalayim. Obviously, if a person has a specific Khumra to rely on or to hold of the Chaznish, then one would have to be careful with that. So, the store, the, those kinds of fruit or vegetables which you will buy in the regular store, which in any of these categories, the mitzvahs of Shvis don't apply to. And now, what we want to discuss tonight is what about those categories of fruits or vegetables or spices or nuts or flowers which Kedusha Shviz does apply to? What, how do we deal with the mitzvah of Kedusha Shviz? What does it require from us? And where do we get it? So the rule is that anything which is people could eat or even animals could eat or any kind of flower which has a smell which a person buys it for its fragrance so all those things, there's a mitz, there's a din of Kedusha Shviz which applies to them. However, those plants which don't, aren't cultivated to be eaten or for their fragrance, there's no mitzvah of Kedusha Shviz about them, even if one wants them for the, the way they look. So for example, a bouquet of flowers, which just looks pretty, there's no mitzvah of Shviz. One can buy them, one can cut them, one can discard them after Shabbos, there's no problem. But those flowers which do have a, a fragrance which people want, so then the mitzvah shviz does apply to them. So now when you're going to talk about the mitzvah of Kedusha shviz as it applies to things which grow fruit, vegetables, so we're going to break it into three categories. The first one is the mitzvah of the Torah. The mitzvah of the Torah, as we saw last time, according to a lot of Rishonim, is that one does a mitzvah by eating shviz fruit. And therefore we're not trying to avoid it completely, on the contrary. We have the opportunity to do mitzvahs by eating shviz fruit. At the same time, when the Torah says that the Shviz fruit is given to us 
la'akhla, it's given to us to eat. So we understand it's not given for any other purpose. So shri's fruit we're allowed to eat, but we're not allowed to use it for, to sell. In other words, if a person wants to use it uh, commercially, we're not allowed to harvest big quantities of shri's fruit to sell. So that's why the stores are not allowed to market shri's fruit. Similarly, shri's fruit is not allowed to be wasted. And that's the second important halakh which we're going to, we're going to discuss tonight. That there's an issue to destroy or ruin or waste in any way uh, Shvi's fruit. And the last point is Shvi's fruit is not meant to be stockpiled. It's la'akhla to eat it, not for commerce, not l'schayra. La'akhla v'la'la hafsid, not to ruin it. And la'akhla not to, to stockpile it. And the reason for that is, is because as we saw previously, on the one hand the fields are hefka. So anybody is allowed to take. But if people would be allowed to take, so someone could come with a truck, and take the whole field with him and just store it until however long he wanted it. And therefore, there's also restrictions about how much a person's allowed to take from Shvi's fruit. Okay. That was, uh, that's as far as the Torah goes. Now, Rabbanan came with the Chobra. Yeah. Could you explain, like, what exactly? I'm sorry, I wasn't here last week. The Shvi's fruit, what, what are you talking about exactly? You're talking about the, uh, things that were grown during this uh, Shvita? Right. Or grown during. So we're going to talk about that. There's vegetables, fruit. We'll talk about each category again. Now, there's uh, that, that's as far as the Torah goes. Rabbanon came along with the Gezerah, which is very important to us, because it makes a big difference to what's available. And Rabbanon's Gezerah is called Gezerah Svichin. And Gezerah Svichin basically means that Rabbanon saw that not everybody was able to withstand the Nisayan not to plant things during Shvi's. One has his field empty and, if, and uh, he has opportunity to grow whatever he wants to grow. And not everybody was able to withstand the Nisoya not to plant during Shvi's. But how are they going to justify that the thing is growing in their field when they're not allowed to plant them? So what people would say is that they grew by themselves. We didn't act- actively go and plant things, but you know, there were seeds around, whatever it was, and things started to grow. And therefore, Rabban made an uh, overreaching Gzaira, that anything in that category which could begin to grow by itself during Shvi's, but not only is it also for us to use it, it's also for us to eat it, and if a person has such things in their field, they have to uproot it. That's what's called Gzaira Svichin, which means things which grew on their own become also because of the Chashash, that people would actually plant it and then claim it happened by itself. Now, for something to be in the category of Gzaira Svichin, we need three conditions. Number one, it has to be something which started to grow during Shvi's. And then there's a chashash, there's a, a doubt that people might have planted it for that. And if that's the case, trees, for example, which definitely didn't grow during Shvi's. They've always been there. They're just producing fruit every year. So there's nothing to be concerned about that people would plant the tree and use the fruit during Shvi's. So the Xeris statement doesn't apply to trees. Similarly, things which had already grown before Shvi's, as we spoke last time, a lot of the vegetables are already at various stages of their growth now before Rosh Hashanah. So things which grew before Shviz, there's also no chashash of Svichin, because these things already grew. And therefore the chashash of Svichin only applies to vegetables or grains which have to be planted every year fresh and could have begun to grow during Shemitah. Then Chazal said things like that are also, things like that are also to use even if they would grow by themselves to eat, one has to uproot them and leave them in the fields. And therefore, 
and therefore it's very hard to find some schmitter in you know, the vegetables. Because any vegetable which has to be replanted annually is automatically going to fall into the category of sechin. And if that's the case, well, it, it was not allowed to plant it, so we, we won't have shvi's vegetables. There's two exceptions. There's two exceptions of cases where even though there's a gazera of sechin, the, nevertheless, the vegetables will be mutter. Like we said, the conditions are abundant, wanted to stop people planting, and therefore, and saying happened by itself. Therefore, if it would be on a non-Jews field, there's no gazera sechin. Because we don't make takonas to protect non-Jews from planting in Shvi's. Anyway, the halacha doesn't apply to them. And therefore, as we said previously, there is uh, an availability in Eretz Israel of crops which are cultivated by non-Jews. Even though we saw previously there's an argument whether one has to treat them with Kedusha Shvi's or not, but everybody agrees you're allowed to use them. You're allowed to eat them. The Gezerah of Sfichin doesn't apply to crops cultivated by Goyim. Same thing, if a person would grow a vegetable in, his, in a pot plant in his house. We saw last time, when we grow things in pot plants in his house, it's not considered in the field, and therefore the gazera sechin doesn't apply. So if a person is growing mints or beans or cherry tomatoes, whatever it is, in a pot plant in the kitchen, those things won't be included in the gazera sechin. Similarly, those kinds of vegetables which nobody's interested in marketing, no one's interested in growing, there are various kinds of wild uh, plants which grow on their own, and this is particularly relevant to flowers. We said previously that flowers, which have a pleasant fragrance, are also included in Shviz. But those flowers which aren't cultivated, they grow wild, the din of Sikhin won't apply to them. Since it's not something which people are marketing, it automatically grows on its own. So that's the case, Chazal didn't include that in the Gzera of Sikhin. So just to sum up what we said, when it comes to Kedusha Shviz, we have to first talk about the Torah's requirements. We said there are three things. We meant to eat it. Not to market it, not to waste it, and not to stockpile. And when it comes to the Rabbanon's Gzaira, and that is anything which could have grown on its own, that year, Rabbanon said it's also to grow, or even even also to harvest if it grew on its own. Now, this isn't necessarily the distinction between Ha'etz or Hadamah. In other words, there are various plants which take more than a year to grow, such as bananas. Even though banana, we say Hadamah on it, but Lemaisa, no one's going to grow the, the banana tree, it's really, or whatever you want to call it the banana shrub, and harvest the fruit the same year. And if it's something like that, which has a proper stem, and takes time to grow, the gazera of stichin won't apply to. Okay, so therefore, so if one wants to buy vegetables, or one wants to buy herbs, for during, or flowers during shviz, so it's going to have to be in one of the other categories, because anything which grew in Jewish and in shviz, is also to use. Now, so let's talk now about those things which are not included in the Gzeris And therefore, those things which Kedusha Shviz does apply to. Again, we're talking about fruit, we're talking about nuts, we're talking about various spices which come from trees, all the things which Kedusha Shviz does apply to. So, the first thing is, where does one get them? Because, as we saw previously, there's an Isser to, do, to trade. So, a normal store, which he buys from the farmer and sells to the public, that's regular business. They're not allowed to do that during Shviz. So how does one get fruit? So there are three options. The first option, which is the most difficult to do, the halakhiki is the easy, the most lechatkhila, is the person go to the field himself and pick what he wants. And the real theft is to help yourself. You don't even have to pay for it. But, even if a person is going to take the, make the trip to the Golan and you know, spend the day to go pick apples, 
as we saw, there's the issue to stockpile. So there's a limit to how much you can take from the field. How much is one allowed to take? There are two opinions in the post-skin. The one opinion is a person is allowed to take enough for three meals, which basically is one day's food. But if you have a big family, you can take enough for three meals for each person in the family. Now, that doesn't mean that your whole meal is going to be apples. But however many apples you eat at a meal, times three times the amount of people that you're giving it to, that would be what to take in one go from the field. There's another shetah that is not totally on three meals, it's totally on three days. So it gives me a, more, a bit more than I'm allowed to take. But once again, it's, it's limited. I'm not allowed to take as much as I want. There's a certain amount that I'm allowed to take from the fields uh, if I go myself. That's the, like I said, not everybody has access to the fields, and therefore it's not always easy to do that. Therefore, the second option. The second option is to make somebody a shliach. To say, I'm going to you make, make you my agent to go to the field and to bring fruit back for me. And uh, if 100 people make the same person a shliach, so he's going on behalf of 100 people, and he's going to bring back that amount of fruit for each of the 100 people. Now, if that person wants to now charge for the time it takes him or for the gas it costs to take his truck up and down to the field, he's allowed to do that. He can't charge for the fruit, because that's half good, but he's allowed to charge whatever the expenses he incurred in going to pick up the fruit for me. So the, the second answer would be that people will be, to appoint somebody as an agent to go and collect the fruit and bring it to me. And this is something which automatically happens in every shkhanah that, uh, and it could even be somebody who's actually selling like in a supermarket also. He's not selling fruits, but he will be a, they have a shtar shlichus, so I'm making you my shliach to collect fruit, and the fruit will be distributed whatever day it will be, and you're just paying him for the, the efforts or the, the expenses he had in bringing the fruit. Now, the difference between if I'm buying the fruit from somebody or if I'm just paying him to be the shliach is number one, this is halacha, you don't pay for weight. As you all know, when you go and buy fruits and vegetables, so I pay either per unit or I pay per weight. But if I'm paying someone for the effort he went to, then it doesn't make a difference how much it weighs. And if that's the case, he's going to give everybody a bag or a box of fruit, whatever it is, same price. Same price. You're paying for the amount, the effort that went into it, not for the weight of the fruit. Right. So that's the second option of shlechus. The third option, which is just doing the same thing to a higher degree, is what we call oitzer basting. Oitzer basting is something which the Chaznesh really was the one who was Mechadish Asadid here in Eretz Yisrael. He had proofs from the Gemara, but the idea is like this. That instead of everybody appointing somebody to be a shliach, and he's working on behalf of the people who sent him, the idea of Eitz Basin is that the Basin as agents of the Tibur are going to go and, and, and harvest the field on behalf of the Tibur. And then they're going to bring the fruit back and distribute it to the Tibur. Why is Eitz Basin different to shlichus, different to the regular case where you ask somebody to go on their behalf? So there's three three differences. Number one, if they if they're harvesting on behalf of the tibur, so that's an indefinite amount of people. So they can harvest as many people as they want, because we aren't doing it for just the people on our list, and each one will get his three meals, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be for everybody. So that's the case. The basin can send people to harvest the field. They can harvest the entire field and bring all the crops back, and it's meant not for any specific individuals, but for the tibur. That's the first point. The second point, when it comes to Eitzah Beistin, like we're still going to learn Vaz Hashem in a few minutes, there's a din of beer. There's a din of beer, which means there's a certain time limit. A person has to finish the Shemitah fruit by, and after that they have to make it hefka, they have to render the list again. But with things which are held by Beistin, are anyway being held for everybody. 
So there's no reason to be mafkirit. And if that's the case, one's allowed to, the basin are allowed to harvest an entire field, store all the fruits, distribute it to the public, and they don't have to worry about the second problem we're going to discuss, which is there's a time limit where they have to finish it by, which is called Zmanabiu. Now, once again, if basin are distributing fruit, they also can't charge for the fruit. They have to charge for the, the workers that they send to pick the fruit or to store the fruit, whatever it is, not more than that. So they can't grade it by quality, they can't, they can't charge it for size or for amount, they just have to distribute it and you pay them your chalik in the expenses that they went to. Where this is particularly nagaya is going to be when it comes to Australia. Because most fruits, it doesn't make such a difference in price, this apple or that apple, this orange or that orange, it's a question of the weight. But when it comes to Australia, as we know, it comes to circus, some estrogen costs 50 shekels, some estrogen costs 500 shekels. Now that's in the average year when you can grade each estrogen and the person's paying for the estrogen. When it comes to shvies, estrogen will have to. Estrogen will have to. And if that's the case, um, you can't charge for them. You can charge for the, the, how much it costs the person to pick the estrogen and bring it back to Yerushalayim. It's going to cost him the same for each estrogen. However, Mahudra it is, it's not going to make a difference. And if that's the case, they're going to have to give an equal price to every estrogen. Now, the way to do that, and you're going to get the people take the Israel game, what everyone does is they put in a closed box. So you can't see which Israel you're getting. They're going to say every Israel is 20 shekels, whatever it is, that's the how much it costs us, and whatever you get, you get. Obviously, if a person wants to choose their own Israel, so that means you're going to have to take a trip to the Israel orchard, which is Hefka, and take the Israel for yourself, which you want. But if you want to run based in, based in can't grade things. So you have to sell everything publicly, or give a, distribute it publicly. And uh, there's no difference between how, how, how nice or how big or any other factor. The same thing is going to happen when it gets to things which they have, to, which are, are processed foods. For example, grape, grape juice or oil, which are coming from Schmitter produce. Again, the, 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 the grapevines produce grapes in Schmitter. If no one's going to pick the grapes, so the vine won't produce next year. So they have to, they have to harvest the grapes. Now, if they open the orchards to the public, and everyone can come and take three meals worth of grapes, so then maybe some, some will be taken, some won't be taken. So what do, they, what do the, all the farmers do? They bring in a basin. And they say, you harvest all our grapes on behalf of the, whoever the rabbi is. Right? And now we matter, the, the farmers are happy, all the grapes got harvested. What basin are going to do with so many grapes? So those that can distribute as grapes which people will eat, they will do. And everything else, they can't... Uh, there, there is a grape harvest which is made into grape juice and made into wine. They can't afford to store so many grapes. So basin are going to do that. They're going to make oats are based in grape juice or oats are based in wine. And then once again, you can't charge more than it costs to pick the grapes and the, the cost of the glass bottle that it's in. So any kind of grape juice, wine, or whatever they're producing during Schmitzer, olive oil, it's the same idea, they're going to are all the same price. Because you can't charge for the item, you have to charge for the work involved. And therefore, it's going to be the same, and it's available. Once again, these can't be sold in the store, because it's a din of schayra. You can't sell them publicly in the stores. But there'll be distribution. Obviously, it'll take a few months until they get to the Schmitter harvest for the grapes, until they make them to grape juice. But a year or two after Schmitter, they're still giving out oats are based in grape juice, oats are based in olive oil, oats are based in wine. And that's okay. It's much cheaper, obviously, because you're only paying for the person's work, not for the product. And uh, one's allowed to... One's allowed to Use it, as we're going to see with a few restrictions, <coughs> as normal. Are we encouraged to use to, to buy it? Is it a good thing? Is it good for the world? <laughs> like the so, like we said, according to some point, uh, Shailim, it's a mitzvah. Using Shavis is a mitzvah. 
Uh, as long as the person is careful with the second part of what we're going to talk about, is, and that is how to look after, how to treat it properly with Kedusha Shvi's, so yeah, for sure there's an Indian to do it. Um, but we're going to see there are certain restrictions which apply. Yeah. Trim is a master's, it's also written that you have to do it for No, there's no trim is a master's. So you can just take anything. You can take anything. It's African. The coin in the lab, you can take it too. I'm a little confused. The fruit and vegetable stores like we have now, they don't sell any of the oats or dates? They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. So where do you get these oats? So sometimes Basin will just distribute them outside the fruit store. It's just an easy place. Or they'll put up signs. There'll be a last Schmidt here in the Ramadish school area. There were three or four people who volunteered to use their porches or their backyard, wherever it was, and they put up signs. On next Tuesday, there'll be a delivery of whatever fruit is going to be. Come pick it up. Four shekels for a box. Whatever, whatever price it was, how much it cost them to bring it there. I'm sorry? You can't go to the regular Makkot. The regular Makkot will have things which are from Putzlaret, like we said before, okay. or from this year, or in Eretz, and here in Yerushalayim, and that's from the sixth year, yeah. or here in Yerushalayim, which are produced by Goyim. And all the things you can buy like normal. You'll buy like normal. The prices will be the same as normal. Maybe. And, uh, and, the, were, produced, and there's no issues in it. They were, they were produced on that Some things are produced now in stockpiles. Yeah. Some things are imported for Slayers. Okay. And some things are being cultivated by Arabs. And any of those categories, you can buy like normal. And no, there are no mixes of Swedish Shvi- replacement. Shvi- Shvi- this is yeah, so it's mostly next, next year's Australia. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's the first thing. How one gets Kedusha Shvi's? Like we said, either one picks it up oneself, or one sends a shliach, or one uses that to base Those are the options how one gets Paris or other products of Shvi's. Now, the, the most important thing which we need to talk about is how does one deal with Kedusha Shvi's? What are lachas apply to using it, to eating it, to processing it, to cooking it? Because uh, we want to, what, what are the restrictions, so to speak, on what we can do with Kedusha Shvi's? Okay, so the first rule we spoke about is the myths in the Torah. Uh, we said from the same possible that you're meant to eat Kedusha Shvi's and you're not meant to waste Kedusha Shvi's. Something which is a fruit of Shvi's has Kedusha. And if that's the case, one can't destroy it, one can't waste it. Okay, so what goes into that category? So there are a number of points here. The basic idea is whatever is normally done with such a fruit, one can do. Whatever is not normally done with such a fruit and is going to waste the fruit or ruin it, one, can't, one cannot do. So the first rule is Fruits which are normally eaten raw and not cooked, you're not meant to cook. That's really that's not its normal use. Fruits which are normally eaten cooked, you're not meant to eat raw. That's not its normal use. Fruits which are normally eaten raw or cooked, you can do whatever you want with, because that's the normal usage for such a fruit. Same thing. Those fruits which are normally squeezed into juice, citrus fruit, maybe carrots today, whatever it would be, things like that, one can squeeze into juice. Those fruits which are not normally squeezed, so then there's a problem, because then you're wasting the fruit. That's not its normal usage. And therefore, the, the starting will go to lots of uh, fine points in a minute, but the starting rule is what a person is allowed to do with the Shvi's fruit is use it the way one normally uses it. Okay. Now, if the normal usage is to waste the fruit, then you can't use it. I'm not allowed to waste Shvi's. Let's give some examples during the year. There are a lot of points in the world that you shouldn't use Shvi's wine for Havdalah. Because since the minag is that one pours the cup overflows during Havdalah, so then the wine which overflows is going to get wasted. So I can't willing, like knowingly waste Shemitah fruit, or Shemitah wine in this case. If you want to use Shemitah wine for Havdalah, then what you're going to have to do is after Havdalah, pour the wine which, which overflowed into the plate back into the cup and drink it. You have to waste Shemitah wine. So 
Similarly, those people have a minak to put the candle out in the wine. You can't do the shmita wine. It's wasting the wine. Another example. Comes let us say that. It's the minak when you get to the ten makas to take a drop of wine and discard it for each of the makas. So then you shouldn't be using shmita wine. And then once again, if you are using shmita wine, then you're going to have to collect those drops and put them back in the cup and drink them. One's not allowed to waste shvis. Right. That's, a, that's the general rule. Now, what about, the question always gets asked, so what about leftovers? Let's say I, I was drinking Shvi's wine, which I'm allowed to do, and there's a little bit left at the bottom of the glasses. What do I do with that? So, whatever's, cons- whatever's considered something a person wouldn't store, it's such a little bit of the residue at the bottom of the glass, or the bottom of the plate, whatever it's going to be, that, that's normally you just wash the dishes and it gets cleaned, that's not something which a person has to store. But if there would be enough Schmidt of fruit that one could collect it and store it, then one's going to do that. One can't waste Schmidt product. Similarly, if you're cooking Schmidt fruit, or whatever it would be, and there'd be a little bit left at the end of the, at the bottom of the pot, so again, if it's just a residue which is normally washed up, there's, no, there's no, not enough food to keep. One's not to wash the pot. But if there's actually some food remaining, one would have to keep that. One can't throw out Schmidt fruit. When it comes to peeling fruit and vegetables, which are shmita, so then again, those fruit which are always peeled, you're allowed to peel. That's the normal way to eat them. Those fruit which are never peeled, one doesn't normally peel them, then one can't peel them if he's not going to use the peels because it's wasting the peels. Um, so for example, carrots, potatoes, whatever it's going to be, are normally peeled. I'm sure you can peel them. When it comes to, as an example, peppers or tomatoes, which aren't normally peeled, so then one's not allowed to peel them unless one's going to eat the peels, because otherwise they're going to get wasted. Oh, now, so the Ravaz now asked the Kasha, what about on Pesach, when people have a minak to peel everything? So he says that that becomes a normal way to use fruit on Pesach without such, a, without such a person. So then they're allowed to peel on Pesach too. But only on Pesach, that's when it's normal for them. What about peeling fruit and vegetables, which you can't eat the peel, but there's going to be a certain amount of fruit remaining in the peel when you peel it. Uh, a melon, a mango, whatever it's going to be that you take of the peel, you can't do it so finely that you're only going to peel another fruit. There's going to be a certain amount of fruit in the peel also. So here's we're going to talk about the category of what one does with remains of shvis. Whether it's going to be the remains in the plate which a person doesn't want to eat, or it's going to be the peels with the amount of fruit attached to it, or any other example. So again, if a person's not allowed to discard or destroy shvis, so what can one do with it? Yeah. Right. So now what does one do with the peels which still have food residue there now again those peels which you can't eat uh, for example if a person has a watermelon and you just have it with the rind which is inedible there's no kishishvis in it, that's not food but if there would still be food attached to it or those peels which are potentially edible so what does one do with them so like we said before, one's not allowed to destroy them so what does one do this is where we have the concept which everyone knows about where a person has to have a separate container to store shvis remains and, uh, uh, but, and, and if I would store them in a place where I'm not destroying them then it's, at the end of the day it's fruit and vegetables given a few days it's going to go bad by itself and if that's the case once it's gone bad and now it's no longer edible so now I can throw it away now how does one do this? how does one do this? so what always was suggested was to have a second garbage container whatever it is which is meant for shvis residue and then every time I don't want to throw it into the regular garbage, I put it into the Shvis container. And every few days, when it's, everything is spoiled, so I can throw it out. The problem with that is, is that 
by throwing fresh peels into a container which already has peels which have been there for the last three or four days, I'm actually throwing the same as throwing into the garbage. And therefore, I've adjusted Baskin that the, the best way halakhically to deal with it is to buy the cheap plastic sandwich bags. Every time I've left over peels, whatever it's going to be, I empty it into a bag, I seal the bag. I haven't ruined it, I just put it in a bag. On its own, it's going to get ruined, given some time, but it's in a sealed bag, and whenever that happens, I can throw it away. So I'm not actively destroying shavis, I'm just putting it aside, and uh, when it, on its own, it will go bad, so then I, I, don't have to, I don't have to hold on to it any longer, I can throw it away. Putting things in the garbage is ruining them because it's with all the other garbage there at the same time. But if it's wrapped in plastic and you it. If it's wrapped in plastic, then no one's going to go to the garbage to take it out again. So it's, it's the same thing as destroying it. So when I put it on the side, if, if theoretically it has some use of it, I can still use it. It's, it's still usable. Given time, on its own, it's going to slow. Right. Okay, so that's the, that's the second thing, and that is what to do with Shvi's leftovers. One side point which is important to mention, and that is when it comes to Shabbos. So we have a Shabbos-related problem, which is important to remember, and that is if a person has, a, say, a serving platter, right, with peels of fruits or shells of nuts or whatever it's going to be on Shabbos, so some things which are still possibly edible are considered shvitz. The shells of nuts which are not edible are not shvitz, they're on the regular garbage. But to start separating on Shabbos what's shvitz and what's not is a regular from a bone. Right? Separating two things into, which I don't need for now, it's for the future. So one would, wouldn't be allowed to separate shvitz remains from other remains in Shabbos to separate the two of them. Is it a problem with mukta as well? It would depend on the case. There could be a problem with mukta also. You know, as if it's something which I'm, I'm holding in the board or whatever it is, and I'm allowed to move it around, I, could, I would normally just throw everything into the garbage. Now, I can't do that, but I also wouldn't be able to separate it. If now we made it to the place where I can't move it anymore, then it's also going to be mukta. Okay, so that's as far as the remains of Shabbos. You mentioned that the container... But there might also be a problem because maybe the other things are, are making the Shemitah things inedible. Right? So the best thing is to leave it all after Shabbos and then put the Shemitah things out. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what one does with leftover liquids, right, is, and this again I heard from Hashem Rav Yashif, the best thing to do with liquids is leave them on the roof or leave them on the porch, somewhere open. Because they'll swell much faster in the sun or in the air, whatever it is, and then you have the problem of having the ki- in the kitchen where it might get spilled whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So, out of the fruits, like we said, which aren't edible, seeds, stems, shells, or peels which aren't edible, so there's no kdisha shvis. But one has to know what's called edible. So, for example, they always give the example that here in Eretz Yisrael, uh, where there is a market to eat watermelon seeds or pumpkin seeds or things like that, so even if a person personally doesn't eat them, but since they're considered food in the place where one is, one has to treat them with kdisha shvis. Um, similarly, we don't have this problem here in Yerushalayim because we don't have animals. But in those places where they farms and they have animals, so anything which is animal food is also Kedusha Shvis. And therefore those kinds of peels or shells which would be given to an animal uh, would be a problem. We would have to either give it to the animal or treat it like Shvis. Here in Yerushalayim we don't have these animals and therefore that's the case. We don't have to be choshesh like which shells a cow might eat, whatever it's going to be. But when those things which are eaten by people would be a, would be a shayla of Shvis and we would have to deal with them the same way. There's a shayla which is asked that comes... Firstly, is one allowed to add, let's say, shvis to other foods to flavor it? Um, for example, the person wants to pour orange juice into a cake. The person wants to pour wine into a, into a roast of meat, whatever it is. Is it mutter to use shvis to flavor other food? And the answer is, if it's normally that's the way that, that's, that's what it's used for, if that's what it's used for, then one's allowed to do it. 
fat, if it's if one's added shvis to the mixture, now one has to treat the mixture as shvis. And if that's the case, if you're going to let's say to my example, pour wine, which is oitzer basin, shvis wine, into a roast of meat, so now you're gonna to have to consider the leftovers to be have kadusha shvis, and I want to deal with it like that. The meat, also. the meat now has to be the Right, shvies. the whole mixture is going to be Right, so it's mutter, but one has to then bear in mind what one to use shvis for. There is one interesting question, and that is, what about adding shvis to a mixture uh, which has chametz in it? Because now I'm going to get myself into a problem. Because if it's obviously, if it's right this time of year, we're okay. But if it gets nearer to Pesach, so now I'm going to have a problem on the one hand of chametz, which I have to destroy, and on the other hand, shvis, which I can't destroy. So obviously it's better to avoid such things. If I'm baking a lot before Pesach, you shouldn't add shvis to what you're baking. But if, it, if one person finds himself in the situation that uh, he has chomet, which also has shvis, then he's going to have to destroy it. There's no option. You, that's why the, the myth of destroying chomet uh, is more important. One can do with uh, shvis to make sure one doesn't destroy it. Now what about children? What about children? And there's three questions about children. Number one, those foods which aren't normally... Uh, grated or liquidized or mashed, whatever it's going to be. So normally you wouldn't be allowed to do that. That's not the normal way that fruit or vegetable is used. But if a person has little children, and it's normal to grind up food or crush it for children, so then for children it's the normal way that they eat. And if that's the case, it's more to do it for them. So they're allowed to grind carrots or apples, whatever other fruit is going to be for children to eat, because for them that's the normal way they're meant to eat. On the other hand, children are notorious for wasting food. And if that's the case, even though it's much for me to feed them, as I ate the over, one shouldn't prepare or give them bigger portions than they're going to eat because they might not finish their portion and the leftover is just going to end up being a problem of Kedusha Shvi's which I have to deal with. Right. Is it much for me to give a food to a child which he might ruin, which he might waste? Right. Uh, for example, let's say a little bit of an older child. If I give him a banana to eat, half it's going to eat, half it's going to end up in his clothing, on the floor, wherever it's going to be. Is it much for me to give a child to eat? So we learn from a pasuk. It's interesting by Yosef, that it was mutter to give children food to eat, even if they're not going to eat all of it. And uh, even, so I'm not actively destroying it or ruining it by giving it to a child. The pasuk by Yosef, it says that in the middle of the family in Mitzrayim, Yosef gave his family to eat lechem lefiatah. He gave them food for the children also. Which means even though we're in the middle of a family, and in the every crumb should be guided, but Yosef still gave the children to eat, knowing that children will waste some of the food. You don't have to be more machmer than that. So it's normal to give a child to eat. We don't have to be machmer that he's not going to waste any of it. Obviously, an older child will try and train them with this. But a younger child, we don't give him to food, even though we know someone's going to fall on his clothing or the floor and it's going to get ruined. We aren't actively destroying shvis by doing that. Okay, now let's talk about another point. We spoke about what one can do with shvis and uh, how one has to store the leftovers of shvis. There's another thing also, and that is what we call zmanabir. Zmanabir means the time when we have to finish the Shvi'is time. And this again is a mitzvah in the Torah. A mitzvah, is a mitzvah, one of the mitzvahs we spoke about that one can actively fulfill. A mitzvah Daraisa is becomes his man of beer. A person has to mevair, which means take away, take out the Shvi'is that they have. When is this man of beer? So this man of beer means that when whatever I've taken and kept in my house is no longer available in the field. So that crop has ended, was not going to find these kinds of fruits or this kind of seed or whatever is going to be in the field anymore. So at that stage, a person is not allowed to store it in his house anymore either. So what do we do with it? So the Makhlaikas, the Rambam and the Ramban. The Ramban says, what one has to do is one has to make it hefka. Put it back to where it began. The fruit started off hefka. I was allowed to take it and use it in small amounts, 
And now that the, it's not available in the field anymore, so now whatever I've got still in my house, I'm going to have to make happy. The Rambam says that fear means destruction, like fear of Hamlet. And therefore the Rambam says, any food I still have remaining in my house, I'm going to have to destroy. Now, the Ashkenazi and Paskin, all Ashkenazi and Paskin like the Ramban, and therefore Ashkenazi and Halachas when Abir means the time that you have to make the food happen. The siren is the Machlokas, some Paskin like the Ramban, some Paskin like the Ramban. So somebody whose Minag is the siren, the Minag is to follow, follow the Ramban, so for them is when Abir means they're going to have to destroy the food. But for everybody else, now the Ashkenazi will have the Paskin like the Ramban as well, the Mitzvah of Abir means that a person has to make it happen. Okay, what does this apply to? It's like we said before, any fruits which I still have in my possession, which is Shvis. Now, what's not often thought about is there's certain spices which could also be Shvis. If they're edible spices, they come, which spices mostly are, they're coming from trees, they're grown in Israel, they have Kedusha Shvis. A spice can last a long time. So if that's the case, it could be that, it's, that these things are no longer available and the trees fresh. And if that's the case, I'm going to have to do beer on the spice in my house. Similarly, the obvious ones, wine and oil, which will last a long time. If, and they come, if the grapes or the olives are no longer available on the trees, I'm going to have to do beer on the wine and the oil. Similarly, if I, let's say, this is an example, I baked a cake, which we said before, has shviz in it and it's in my freezer, what comes is when I beer, I'm going to have to do beer on it. Okay, so what do I do for beer? How do I do beer? Beer depends on the Beer depends on every product differently. Each version, um, when we distribute in a few minutes, a chart for all the different kinds of fruit and vegetables of exactly when the beer is for each one. Beer basically means that comes the date of the beer. Um, I have to call over three people and tell them that whatever I have left, let's say it's a beer for grapes. The beer for grapes is Erev Pesach, a year and a half from now. In other words, the grape harvest is no longer available. Erev Pesach, the year after Shemitah. Okay, so comes, let's say, Pesach, a year and a half time, year of the Shemitah, I have to call the three people and tell them that whatever wine or grape juice which I have is, which is Shviz, right, I'm making it Hefka. I'm tell you, I make it Hefka. Anyone over Barabat Mitzvah? Everyone over Barabat Mitzvah. I could even, right, could do it. I could even use three family members. As long as they are over Barabat Mitzvah, so I'm announcing to them that whatever I, I still have of this species is Hefka. Um, the art person can be someone who actually has to take it outside and put it in the street. But uh, not everyone agrees with that. The art person can hold that as long as I verbally said it's Hefka, that's good enough. And uh, now that's the case, now that it's Hefka. So if any of them want to take it, they can. If any passerby hears me say they want to take it, they can as well. And if no one else wants, I can take it back myself. Uh, I'm not prevented from re- re- reacquiring it. My, the issue is just you can't keep it. Once I was Mafkirat, so it's going back to where it began, it's going back to being Hefkirat again. And if that's the case, I can take it a second time. But the Kedusha Shvi is still... Sure, there will always be Kedusha Shvi. Does everything have to be marked? It will do. It will do. If it's coming from an Oitzah Basin, which is normally the way you're going to get these things, right. because they can't sell them. So it will say in big letters, Oitzah Basin. Uh, and then you have to remember that Oitzah Basin has its own rules. Yeah. I can only run Oitzah Basin. Because according to the Chazanesh, uh, things cultivated by Goyim also have Kedusha Shvi. You won't be able to buy them in the store. So then you won't, be able, you won't be allowed to buy things to start with, which are from a Nakhri. So according to that, you would only be allowed to buy it to How do you know how long that's... You're going to have to check the, the product that when it was packaged, if it was within Shavis or not. Unless, it has, for example, Sha'aris is Nakhri to the Chazanish. So you're going to, you're going to stick to one of the Sha'arim, which are Nakhri to the Chazanish. 
The Vadat isn't. The Vadat holds the Minna Gishalayim. So you're right. They're going to say it's all the same. Do you know which Hashem Ramach Ben Hashem? Landau, and I think Ruben. Okay. That's that's what's going to get to As we said previously, Oitzer Basin doesn't have a problem. Because what they've bought and what they're storing, they're storing for everybody anyway. So they don't, they don't do Oitzer Basin, they don't do a beer on things which are Oitzer Basin, which means I will be able to buy Oitzer Basin things after the Shasta beer also. It's already, they already dealt with it over the time when it was meant to be Hefka. And therefore, and the best example is all the Carmel wines, or most of the wines actually made in Eretz Yisrael, are produced in Eretz Yisrael. The crop of Schmitter, which will be in the market two or three years after Schmitter, because wine takes time to mature, right, is all going to be Oitzer Basin. So they'll have Kedusha Shviz, I have to remember that, that's important. They'll have Kedusha Shviz, but there won't be a problem with the beer, because when the time of the beer came, it was being held by the Basin. So anyway, it was being held for everybody, I don't have to do a second beer later. Okay, that's what's going to get to the denim of beer. If a person is taking it outside instead of making phone calls, they have to have three people in front of them, or they can take it out there for ten minutes and then they bring it back? No, they have the three people. You have to declare it to happen. So you need three people who are going to hear that. Okay, so that's uh, now this maybe three or four nice points I want to bring up. Um, firstly, the what's the din of buying from somebody who didn't keep Schmidt? What's the din of a, a farmer or a gardener who wasn't keeping Schmidt? And let's say he gives me a gift of uh, some of his fruits or whatever it's going to be. Can I eat it or not? So this is a category what we call in halacha, something which is either shamur or nevad. In other words, there are two avarious which a person can do in shmita. The one is, we said a person is mechuyev to make his field hefka and then to come inside. If a person doesn't do that, he guards his field, he prevents people from coming inside, so then it's called shamur. It's something which was guarded during shvis. If a second is in shvis, the person is not allowed to actively cultivate or grow things in shmita. If a person did, it's called, we call nevad. Now he worked it on Shvis. So if, if the farmer or the person working the ground didn't keep the mitzvah of Shvis, he either cultivated the ground or he, he guarded the fruit, so he did something wrong. Does that make it also for me as the consumer to eat it or not? Or to buy it? So here there's a very big machlokus. I'm also going back to the time of the base. said, what's the din of a person being allowed to eat things which were either shamur or never? Things which were either protected or things which were guarded? Uh, it's interesting. The Chaznish in this case was the, is the maker. He holds if it's necessary, a person can be mechil and use it. The other person was more mechil than him and said he was not allowed to use it. But uh, the Chaznish, there are even stories at the time of things that the Chaznish himself would rely on or would tell people to rely on, even though it was Shamur or Nevat, even though it was cultivated or guarded from the Shvis. Since it's the Machlokas, then of course, if we have an alternative, it's much better to avoid it. And we have the alternatives. So that we don't have to rely for most things on what's being produced by non produced being produced by Isser and Schmitter. Today we can rely on the Bedatim or the various Basins who are bringing in or making sure that there will be Oitzer Basin of the various things which we need. But if let's say someone gives you a gift of something which was worked in Schmitter, so then like we said, there's a Machlegas. There, there are those Postkim where we make it for a person to use something which was cultivated by Isser. If you can, uh, for sure, if you have that doesn't change. Um, obviously, if I can avoid it, like I said, because it's a machlokas, that would be better. There's another thing also about kedusha shvis, and that is, it's also to take things which are kedusha shvis to chutzlaret. It's also to take kedusha shvis to chutzlaret. Um, so much so that there's an argument in the post scheme. If a person is going on a trip overseas, 
That's the, the air force. Open a person's land to go overseas. Easy land to take with him food for the trip, which is the shishlis. That's a big machlokes. There are those who matter, but only the amount he needs to eat until he gets to the destination. And those who always say that. But for sure, more than that, more than that, it's not permitted to take uh, shvi's things for Florence. And then we get to the same question. If a person would be in Chutzlaret and he sees jack oranges, or he sees any other fruits or vegetable next year which is important for Eretz Yisrael, so now we have three problems with it. Besides the problem we mentioned before, whatever is being exported to Chutzlaret is for sure that it's cultivated and it's being sold and it's being... So we have the problem of Sfeira, we have the problem of work. We also have the problem that it's sent to Chutzlaret. And that's why it's for sure one shouldn't buy uh, produce of Eretz Yisrael in Chutzlaret stream shrimp. We have all the three problems. Right, the last point. If a person buys Shvi's fruit, with, let's say he, he pays money for Shvi's fruit, whatever he's going to buy it, the halacha is the money becomes Kodesh Mekdusha Shvi's. This is an extra point which one has to know, and therefore the money which is now Shvi's money, if you're going to call it that, can only be used to buy the fruit which you have to eat. In other words, you're going to have to reverse the process. If a person paid money to buy Shvi's fruit, so now the Kedusha goes into the money, and now wherever that money is, what you have to do with it is use it to buy other food, which the Kedusha Shvi's will go back into the food. I have to, you know, what the Gemara calls, be mechadil. Take the Kedusha and transfer it back onto fruit or vegetables, whatever it's going to be, and then treat them like Kedusha Shvi's. So, sorry? How would you get such a case? Okay, how would you get such a case? So, where the Ica problem with this is, I mean, when a question comes up with this, let's say I want to buy something from a supermarket um, who's also selling Shvi's fruit. They're not meant to be selling it, but they are. If anybody buys a Shvi's fruit from them, so then the money which was used for the Shvi's fruit now becomes Kodesh Mekdash Shvi's. It's basically the cashier. So now the problem is the cashier has money which is Kodesh Shvi's. If I'm now going to go buy something else which is going to give me change, I might be getting back Shvi's money. So do you have to worry about this or not? This is where the question began. Do you have to worry about this or not? The, the post can say, only if I'm going to a fruit store, which means all the money he's dealing with is dealing with Shvi's money. So if I go to a fruit store, let's say, who's selling Shvi's fruit, then I have to worry that all the money he has is changed or he's got for the fruit that he's selling, and I have to worry. If I'm going to a big supermarket, that they're selling hundreds of items, so I don't have to be choshesh that the money he's giving me back is going to be exactly what he got for this guy's Shvi's, which you sold him. It could be any other product. I don't have to worry about it. If people's credit cards don't make a difference, I'm not getting change. The question would be to get change, do I have to worry that there's Kodesh Shvi's in the money? So like I said, unless it's a store which is only selling Shvi's, and therefore all the money, or at least the vast majority of the money, would be a problem, I don't have to worry about it. Right, right. But the supermarket chain does these things. Okay, so that's the... It's fine, you, because you, the money for the base, I'm not buying the fruit. Yeah. I'm paying the person for doing the work. There's nothing to do with the fruit, so there's no good reason. Okay, my recollection is you... So, what we spoke about, so again, those things which are not shvi's, I'm just going to do a quick, quick recap of the, the four points that I mentioned tonight. Again, those fruits and vegetables which are, which are not shvi's, because they were either harvested already this year and are being kept in cold storage, they're brought from Chutzlaret, or if you hold of the Milag Yerushalayim, they were cultivated by Goyim, they know the restrictions. I can buy them like normal, I can use them like normal, I can discard them like normal. When we're talking about things which are Kodesh Shvi's, which means either those things which are going to be coming to us for Oitzah based in, or something a person picked up in the fields himself, 
which do have shvis, and then again, like we said, this only applies really to fruits because the, because of the gzera of svichem, which we mentioned, which means we're not allowed to use vegetables during shvis, unless you're growing in a pot plant, or unless it's being grown by an Arab, there's much less possibility of kedusha shvis vegetables. So let's talk about primarily by fruits. Those things which are kedusha shvis, one has to know that one has to, one can't buy it, it's a promissory, one can't sell it, and therefore one has to get it either himself or through a, a channel of an oitzer based in. Now, the, therefore the restrictions which are most practical to us is one can't ruin it, which means one can't use it in a way it's not meant to be used. Just one or two more examples of that. For example, a person can't give his kids fruits to make it to some kind of you know, art project. They're not meant for that. Right? If you want to give them nuts to make into, which are going to ruin them, it's some kind of craft project that's meant to be eaten. It's not meant for other things. So many sukkah decorations. I can't hang up fruit in the sukkah if they're going to get ruined like that. Right? I can't, so that's part of the dilemma. I can't ruin the fruit. I have to use what it's meant to be used for. And I have to keep the remainders, the peels, whatever it's going to be. And or anything I added it into, which now has a taste and the flavor of delicious sweets, I'm going to have to keep the residue, the remains, until it spoils on its own. So the best way to do that is to put it into a sealed bag, which will keep it separate from everything else and also will hasten the amount of time it takes until it goes bad. And just generally, over the year, we spoke about the say that we spoke about Havdala. I have to make sure not to use it in a way where it's going to get ruined. And uh, then the last thing we spoke about is Manabir, which means each thing has its own uh, time when it's no longer available in the field. Before that time, if I have any of such that product in my house, I have to mafkir it, which means I have to tell three people that if they want, they can take it. If I don't want to take it back myself, but I have to go through that process. Um, one last point. Again, practical. Oil of shvis, which there will be, again, especially in Israel, where there is olive oil. Um, shvis, olive oil. I'm allowed to use it besides for eating, besides for cooking with it. I'm also allowed to use it for locus nerishavis. Right, that's considered a use of olive oil to use it for burning, for burning Shabbos candles. I'm allowed to use it for Lachas near Shabbos. But, according to most boys' scheme, I'm not allowed to use it for Hanukkah. And, really, and the difference is, not for Hanukkah, and the difference is because in Hanukkah we say, We're not allowed to get Hanukkah from it. Right? So when part of our Hanukkah from Parish Shavis is using it for Shabbos, on Hanukkah we're not allowed to get Hanukkah, then we can't use, uh, we can't use Shemitah oil for that. So the last point is, uh, the, I just want to give 